1: marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com good afternoon and welcome everybody this week Be The Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. Hope your Thursday's treating you well. Welcome on in, 93.3 and War Chant TV. That's Tom. I'm Jeff. There's Director Matthew. You're you. Let's gather around and have some fun. Florida State back at it today as uh, practice returns. Full pads yet again today. That's always a good thing. Always a good thing as full pads are what we want to see with the level of competition in play. That is the best way to decide. So come on in. Good times indeed. See you guys in there in the chat as always. Appreciate you being there. Hello, Zyler and Troy. Old dad, all you guys. Uh, Regulars will be making their way on in. It's nice. It's It's like I'm a bartender. Everybody's bellying up. Come on in. Somebody brought that up the other night. We're going to do another bellying up here soon. It's only been a year. Maybe more. <laughs> it's been a minute.
0: I think we've got a lot of things to talk about then. We do. We have a lot of things. Uh,
1: we will. It's fine. Uh, I know this. Uh, I want, I'm want. i really excited. We do have some news for people that we can we can talk about in terms of uh, content. Um, and so next week, I think uh, we're going to have a guest on the show and have an opportunity to start to kind of let people know there's war chance gonna expand further continue to do great things so I'm excited about that as well and I'll be a part of that with this uh with this particular show that we'll be doing and um it's a it's another seminal great joining the uh joining the fold Tom so I mean I guess we'll wait until he's a guest I suppose it doesn't really matter we could talk about it now it
0: doesn't really matter I look forward to the four hour show you do every day with Gene Deckerhoff as well. I am not
1: but I ran into Gene at practice on Tuesday and Gene wouldn't want to do a four-hour show right now. He's enjoying retirement. Gene, Gene and I were exchanging um, books. We were talking about books that we're reading, and he, wa- he gave me um, a series of books. And, uh, and so I said, outstanding. It's, um, it's, it's historical, the war in the Pacific there, and uh, that, that aspect of World War II. Deckerhoff is a World War II buff? Yeah, he is, and we had a long conversation about it, me and Gene did, and and he found out my love of history, and we were kind of going back and forth, and he said, well, I'm in the middle, I'm on the third book in a three-book series, if you'd like to read this, and I said, I'd love to, so he, uh, this was, so on Tuesday I saw him, but two weeks ago we had had this discussion as well, and Gene sent me a text, it was the coolest thing, I gotta admit, every now and then, it's the little things, Tom, it's the little things, as I was sitting at my house on a Saturday evening, uh, about 10 p.m., watching a documentary and sipping on a tall, cold beer, I got a text from Gene Decker at 10 p.m. on a Saturday reminding me of the series of books that he wanted me to tell him about. And we went back and forth with an exchange. And I said, I should take a picture of this exchange and send it to my father. Just be like, Dad, this is, this is how you know your son's made it. I'm just
0: nighttime texting with Decker about books. Look, Gene, I'm not going to read it, but I will pay whatever the rate is for you to read it, and then I will listen to it as an audio book as I drive <laughs> on my many ventures. Oh. Please tell me about the Pacific with your voice. I would love it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I've already ordered
1: it, and so he sent me a link. We're all the good to go. winter of
0: 43 was especially brutal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not in the Pacific, it was.
0: So You wouldn't uh, believe yeah, it. Unseasonably. You, w-
1: you wouldn't believe it. You're right. <laughs> I, I, I would have countered Gene. I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That'll be good. Uh, so, all of that said, another great thing about going to practice is you routinely running the people like Gene Deckerhoff, like former players. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to give Kez a big hug. I haven't seen Kez McCorvey in a while. Always good to see him as well. And I, It reminds me, a lot of these things remind me that I'm old. Because I'll see players that I either watched while I was in school or even before I was in school, like when I was in high school or middle school, and my dad would take me to games, and I'll see those guys on campus, and I'll be like, oh, man, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so, and I get all excited. And then I think, man, I, he was a junior in 1985. Holy moly. He's old. And then dot, 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 wait, I'm old. Yeah,
0: I can tell you I did that exercise myself when you said the name Kez McCorvey because the first event I ever worked in association with this here radio program was in 2009 at a Moe's down the block. Welcome to Moe's! And Kez was the featured guest on site that day for that show. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, 14 years ago, two months from now.
1: Well, another sign of it is, uh, and he'll get a kick out of this, as they get set to start their season uh, one week from today. Well, I don't know if they play on that day, but Major League Baseball's opening day is one week from today, and we'll be at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill doing the Jeff Cameron show and taking in opening day. But, yeah, um, I remember David Ross coming into one of my remotes, sitting down talking to me about baseball when he was a very, very young player with the Dodgers, and now he's an old manager with the Cubs (laughs) and a lot has transpired from that day to this day. It's pretty amazing. When you think about it in that way, Um, I remember when he was a rookie and was trying to um, uh, try to learn the ropes and figure it all out. LaDuca LaDuca was in fact helpful in his quest to figure out major league baseball, Paul LaDuca. And, in and that is the funny thing, by the way, when you talk to baseball players, uh, that, that went on to make, you know, Dean Palmer is really good about opening up about his career. He'll he'll answer anything. You can have fun conversations with him. But when you do that, one of the things that comes up is they'll tell you the guys that are helpful and those that view you as competition and, and kind of shield you away and do not help. You know, I hate that. I hate when I hear stories like that, but they're always interesting. But yeah,
0: Paula Duca was really Integral in helping him. He was a really good player, too. One of the better two-hole hitters I've seen because even though he was slow as molasses, you wouldn't think he'd bat a catcher second. He had such a good understanding of how to get his bat through the strike zone and over the plate that he could hit a ball to the right side if you, if you let off with a double. Mm-hmm. Or he would also wait, take two strikes for you to have an opportunity to steal. Those little nuances of the game. Not typical of a catcher to think contact and things like that, but he was very good at that particular part. Yeah, you wouldn't
1: have thought. At the end of Leducas' career, he was annoying because he just wasn't very good and he didn't have any power. So you're kind of like, yeah, you're kind of a waste, waste of a catcher. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, but uh, you were, you're right. There was that little 10-year window where he was, uh, I say little, good God. Imagine being good in Major League Baseball for a decade. That uh,
0: doesn't suck. Yeah, I think the way to be humble about it after you're done is with. I had a nice little 10 year window. I had others. a nice little 10 year run in good. the majors. Little 10 year run in the majors. I've told you
1: the story of my uh, neighbor when I was a kid. His granddad had played in the majors for four years with the Tigers. I can't remember his name now. I got to think of this. But he, he would come over to their house to visit every now and again. He was ancient. I was like, wait a minute. So you played. He's like, that's right.
0: Yeah. Was it uh Grover, Cleveland, Alexander? <laughs>
1: it was not. Huh? But he was the uh, he was funny. He was always great. He would he would talk about, oh yeah, well, I played against the Mick and all these guys. Double Mickey, day? Mickey Mantle. and all the Admiral. Making this new game up. It's gonna be fun. So I joined in. Next thing I knew, I was on the train. Florida State plays not a real game, but there will be, I think, the feeling I get today, uh a practice. That is rooted in the fundamentals. So I'm rooting for something other than that, but let's
0: not forget Saturday is the scrimmage. I hear you, but I think that there will be a ramp-up effect given the way that Mike Norvell was willing to speak after Tuesday's practice, which Mm -hmm. was they got to be better. they got to be faster. I would think that the tolerance policy will be closer to zero if there's lollygagging out there on a Thursday. So that might be get maybe some advanced stuff. That'd be good.
1: I hope so. I I you know, listen again, they're in pads, so we're going to get to watch a ton but uh, of interesting matchups and the physicality involved in that tells you something every time. We know that when you have two big offensive and defensive linemen, we get all that, but it is interesting um, to see how they handle practice right before a scrimmage cuz I would think that this upcoming scrimmage could be very physical if they wanted it to be. I and mean, the guys are going to be pretty fresh and you're going to you're going to you know, wane it a little as you go along. Um, you can
0: get after it here and let, uh, let's let see who's swimming from the new guys and who's ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating to see because you could argue coming off a of spring break, you've got your acclimation full padded practice on Tuesday. You could still ramp up today and be fresh enough for Saturday. That shouldn't be too big of a deal. When you get into the season itself, you're coming off of a fall camp. Thursdays are a dial back day ahead of a Saturday. But also, you're practicing every day. You know, you go in Sunday for your meetings and, and the cleanup on whatever went wrong on your game day, but then by Wednesday, Thursday, you're going back-to-back-to-back to back to back days. It's just this staggered on-again, off-again thing. I wonder how much they can go today. I can't wait to see it. It's been nearly two weeks since I've seen us practice, so this will be a good day to be out there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When you first get back out there, well, I'll tell you what, Tuesday was a lot of fun. The defense played well. A lot of the young guys made plays. The weather was perfect. I mean, everything about Tuesday was a lot of fun just because, again, I think they were eager to get back after it. The coaches were going to challenge them. The defense did a lot, you know, played very well. But there were still some highlights here and there for the offense, enough to keep – I don't think – I will say this about where this group is at. And, again, when you are a little more finely tuned and you have better players across the board on both sides of the ball, the days – of, hey, the defense is going to dominate for two and a half weeks, and there will be no moments by which you can see progress for the offense because defense is ahead of offense always when we get into these practices. The days of that I think are pretty well gone. A Jordan Travis-led offense with this amount of veterans and talent and depth on the offensive line, running back room, wide receiver room, now the added talent to the tight end room, the infusion of real talent in the tight end room, and the different ways that you can attack a defense and how multiple you can be, uh, the days of them having prolonged, stagnant efforts are gone. They're not They're not going to happen. The offense is going to have some success, even on days where we highlight the defense as the victor. You, you, just, you put Jordan Travis under center and let him throw the football with these weapons. I'm sorry, I don't care how good this defense is going to be or maybe how much better they're going to be. We certainly hope so. They're not going to dominate the offense. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Jordan's too savvy with this offense. He's always cool, calm, and collected when you watch these practices. He knows where to go with the football based on the looks. You're not going to confuse him. And in addition to not being able to confuse him, his offensive line isn't going to get throttled in the way that it used to to where the play breaks down inside of a second. I mean, these guys are going to hold their own, even going against Daryl Jackson, even going, you know what I mean? They're going to have enough plays where they at least – it's neutral, where nobody really wins, and, and he's able to make some plays.
0: Yeah, what it sounded like with the observations on Tuesday, uh, you did the video the Warchant rap with Ira, and then Corey wrote observations for the site on Warchant.com, that the offense had a lot of plays that were available to them, but drops got the better oh, of, yeah. of quite a few moments, mm-hmm. where Jordan does everything right, or a different quarterback does everything right, and maybe if you hit on three or four of those plays, you graded out a little bit different instead of saying defense dominant, defense own the day. But to your point, Jordan is putting some of these guys in positions to be successful. I know Johnny had a couple. Toffili had one as well. But that's right. He is making those decisions. And we don't bring him up, at least I haven't, a ton after one week of practice because much like what you said about Jared Verse yesterday, which is we assume that. We just assume him. he's going to be good It's not yes. news if he's good. Jordan has been quite good and quite sharp. From what I've seen so far, I look forward to seeing that again today.
1: Yeah, and I also think that where you're—I mean, I don't know that I—I'll be looking more forward to any matchup more than the rotation on the interior of the offensive line and the rotation on the interior of the defensive line. You got—you got you have basically three spots where you're constantly going to be watching intense violence. <laughs> And technique has to win because everybody in those battles, well, they're all big, and they're all really, really strong. And so, you know, when you see, and people, most people know this, but it's just fun to kind of refamiliarize yourself with these kinds of concepts, these things. When you watch an NFL game or a big-time college football game and you see a defender bull rush an offensive lineman and he gets planted. He falls on his back. He's literally just pushed back into the backfield, and it's a you know a, a, a play-ending indictment of the, the physical mismatch that occurred in that moment. One of the things that you always realize is well, it's not because that guy's not strong enough. It's not because uh, you know that guy's not too small. It's that he made a mistake in his technique he's a mauler he's 340 pounds he didn't just get pushed over because that guy's just too strong for him that rarely happens it's because he lost leverage he didn't sink he didn't place his hands in the right place he didn't you know his step was it was wrong and then those guys are so good that the second you screw it up oh that's your ass because i know my counter now and your weights not distributed evenly and here we go i'm gonna take you for a ride That's fun to me because it makes you become a technician. The same's true with these pancakes when you watch an offensive lineman do this to a defensive lineman. It's not because the offensive lineman is just overwhelmingly strong by way of comparison to, say, you know, Fabian. It's that he got lower, he got his hands in on you, and now, man, that's a big, strong dude. He's got leverage. You're going to lose.
0: Well, it's fun to watch the journey that those guys go on each day in practice as well, separately, when they're getting coached by Odell Hagens and Alex Atkins, respectively, and, and the assistants that go along with that. But it's just they converge after there's brutal moments of instruction where you're yeah. going, this is beyond honesty. Sometimes this is just you, you wouldn't play for this guy unless you trusted him implicitly uh, that he means well. But with the defenders, you see the sled that they're on, and it's that cruel, like, something out of 50 years ago. Mm. It's just a—I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a broken bobsled, like the bottom of it. And Odell is always talking about getting lower and getting lower and doing what you've got to do. And he will have a kid stay on that because there's only one of them. There's only one of them. He'll have a defensive interior lineman stay on that thing. For three minutes at a time, if they don't have the right technique, and it just gets uncomfortable. It's exhausting. And on the other side of it, you've got the the standard sleds that the offensive line work on. And you also have the one. Yeah. But then there's the conceptual stuff that Alex Atkins does, and he talks about where you know maybe scout team will come over and and show some angles of approach and where you need to be, your first step, where your arm goes. And Atkins, in the same way, if the lineman doesn't get it right on the offensive side, we'll do it over, and we'll do it over, and we'll do it over, and everybody's waiting. They're waiting on one kid and they go through all that torture and then it's time to go heads up and you see them apply it. It's just, it's a fun ride to go on each day. Comparing and contrasting healthy
1: environments in college football, healthy athletic departments, healthy football programs. I'll do it next. It pertains to Florida state and a former coach at Florida state, Jeff Cameron, Show 933, real talk radio, war chant TV. What's up guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens. You've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past. Happy to talk about them Again, I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin. Your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, That's athletic greens. And uh, I I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Kevin Joe, rolling on Thursday. Good to be with you. Glad, glad, glad to be talking Florida State football. We often reference these days about expectations for Florida State and they're mighty high. They're sky high. I don't know. I don't. The sample size of people that I've talked to regarding what we think Florida State can be this year and how far they've come seems to suggest that this fan base for the most part believes that um, they're in such a good place physically. And uh, an upgrade from a talent standpoint, but also a healthy and respectful place uh, internally there within the coaching staff and athletic department that sky's the limit. College football, playoff birth, et cetera, seems to be kind of the, the way that a lot of people are looking at what this season could be. Now, that's a different discussion. Like, those are the, the levels that you've of success that are reasonable to expect this upcoming season. That's debatable. That's something that we can debate. That's everybody's got an opinion on that based on what they saw last year, and the uptick in talent, and the influx of guys on the too deep with the offensive defensive line for sure. And then you know, as I mentioned before, tied in. You understand why the enthusiasm is there. But the other thing is, I think that um, you know, you saw a lot of converts at the end of last year. A lot of people who were unsure of the head coach. A lot of people that, you know, hey, listen, everybody may like Mike. He may say all the right things. His enthusiasm is infectious. All of that may very well be the way that the fans looked at it. But at the end of the day, this is a cut-and-dry, easy-to-decipher business. You win or you lose. You win or you lose. And if you lose a lot, it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't really matter what we think of you as a person. If You're not winning games at some point. The love affair wears off pretty quickly and people begin to discuss openly about maybe needing to move on. So last year's successes led to a very different expectation for this season and it also allowed people who were uncertain, who might be on the fence, to then embrace those qualities that you do care about when it leads to success. The openness, that Mike Norvell has as a policy for the media and a willingness to allow us to observe. But then again, that provides context for the fan base, right? We can tell you directly what's happening with the program. And that also leads to a more favorable feeling about the methodologies. So what happens is people go, I like Mike Norvell, but man, he's not winning games. So I don't care that the media is telling me how great he is about the access and how open he is with um, what they're trying to accomplish and, you know his willingness to answer tough questions or any of those things he's got to win games well then all of a sudden when he does win games people are like man you know what's cool is that the media that you know i rely on that covers this team has been telling me for a while that not only will they be good but this is a good guy who believes in the right things and you know i've seen that evidence in the videos i've seen that with the information i've seen that with the interviews now we're winning now i can believe it for real this is a healthy place to be florida state's a place where players want to come Fans want to support and buy tickets and travel on the road, and be a part of the game in Orlando or last year in New Orleans. It all comes together, right? The bigger picture all comes together. And I'm reminded of it while I watched yesterday's press conference with Texas A&M. And I'm not one of these people that hyper focuses on what Jimbo Fisher's doing now. I know what he's doing now. He's not winning. He still seems broken. His answers to questions are similar to the questions that he answered here and the manner in which he answered them towards the end where he was a much different guy, uh, a very different guy than he was when he was here at the beginning when the turnaround was working. And so I find it all fascinating because I I won't delve deep and play the role of psychiatrist here, but it didn't take but two seconds for you to realize the same problems exist now that did at the end of last year. He had three months to figure out, Jimbo Fisher did, how am I going to answer the question as to why I brought a new offensive coordinator in? It's going to be the first question. When you bring in Bobby Petrino, isn't it going to be the first question after you give up your talking points about fundamentals, which is once again, what he launched into hand placement and all that other stuff, which all coaches do. So I don't fault him for that, but it's a way of saying nothing and he does it. And then the first question is indeed about why you brought Bobby brought Bobby Petrino in. and Inevitably, it ends up with somebody questioning him about who's going to call the plays. And his dismissive answer about, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody runs the same plays. It's just so disingenuous. Yes, a counter is a counter. A dig is a dig. I got it. You can say that, but man, the sequence with which they're called and the context of which they're called and how they fit into your offense and the tempo and everything else matters or else everybody would do it really well. That's not how it works. And he wouldn't answer that very simple question for most of that press conference. And I just saw the same brokenness that I saw here. And I thought, man, this isn't about me prattling on about them, but rather where this program is at, how quickly it can all change, and how much more excited I am that in a relatively short period of time, that has taken place. Last year, I guess is what I'm getting at, was really important, really, really important. For all parties involved, the psyche of Florida State's faithful, the fan base as a whole in terms of the overall support in the program, investing in the program, showing up for the program. Now, it's not my job to get you to do that, nor do I look at it that way. It is beneficial to all parties involved if that's the case. My business benefits must like local restaurants do and hotels and everybody else when the football team is playing well. It's true. But I'm also not a spokesman for the university, nor do I uh, want to be. So it's one of those things where you, you, you just you observe it, you see it, and you recognize, man, how important was last year. Man, it's a good thing they are healthy that this, that this worked, that this has moved to a place now where I think most believe that they're going to have, at the very least, yet
0: another level of success than they had a year ago. Yeah, you go to practice and you feel like what you're seeing is connected to the grand conversation of college football. It's going to have an impact on the big conversations that we haven't been a part of for some time. I remember the first year that we did not make the playoff, and we haven't made it any years after that, in 2015. Remember the conversation that we had over at the CP? And I said, you know, it is a big, big to-do with the playoff. And 29 straight going to... Pasadena, which has been amazing the last two years. Mm -hmm. If we have to take a year off, okay, no big deal. We have to take a year off. That is such heresy because we didn't sniff it after that. We have not sniffed the college football playoff. We're finally back to a place where when I go over there, I feel like what I'm watching is relevant and going to be relevant to the playoff committee, to college game day, to Mm -hmm. any national talking head that you can bring up in regards to college football. We are now a part of that grand conversation, and it's great. The question that asked to Jimbo Fisher basically is not about who's calling the plays. It's how healthy is the offensive meeting room that you have currently? Because I don't think you'd hire Bobby Petrino on your own. Your answer, sir, it's not healthy. That's what that's what that exchange was. We're, we still don't have our ducks in a row. This is a mess. Whereas when you're looking here, the direction with the offense, it's Norvell Atkins. I mean, they're they're hand in hand scheming these things up week to week. Yeah. The offensive line's development has been astounding. That room has flipped in two years. It's been great. It's just a breath of fresh air when you talk about the offense here and there. It's going to be a point of controversy until somebody leaves. I don't think we're going to envision a day in which Texas A&M has both Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino walking off the field together laughing and smiling because they just dropped 40 on another opponent. That's not the direction that thing's going. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, things Atkins and Norvell could walk off the field together smiling an awful lot this year about the production they're about to put up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something to behold
1: because you rec- you recognize, I've said this a lot, well, and I, I'll answer some fe- folks' questions here. Um, I saw, Scott, that you pointed this out. I know that you are a diehard Jimbo fan, and that's fine. He's broken and has been broken and has failed miserably at Texas A&M with elite talent but he has won a national championship and he won big here to the tune of 29 straight here. Um, you know, Gene Chizik won a national championship, Scott. he a good coach. He doing well. How'd that work out? You know, it, it happens. He's, there are plenty of coaches who haven't won a national championship that are better coaches than those that have period. It's happened. Happens all the time. Does Norvell need to keep winning to be seen? in the pantheon of great coaches. Well, remember, Florida State's had very few coaches by way of comparison to other institutions. Yeah, yeah. No, th- it doesn't mean that just because Jimbo is failing over there and Mike Norvell now has a program that is seemingly moving without question in the right direction, uh, that we stop having expectations or that we sit back and go, oh, there it is. No, because th- it's not about a m It's not about Jimbo. I'm just p- talking about healthy environments, healthy interactions, and
0: expectations. Well, all that's missing was facilities for him, and clearly now he's gotten the facilities. They haven't lost the game since he's moved on, right? It wasn't that the simplest form of the argument at the time that the breakup happened? There were a lot of things involved there, but yes, he once mentioned it. The thing I'd say moving forward is it felt like, and I'm sure you would agree with me, with Kenny Dillingham on the other coast, you know, coaching for Oregon last year, and Mike Norvell calling the plays this past season, that felt better? We felt more confident about the continuity of a game plan and how prepared Florida State was from an offensive standpoint. Was their personnel better? Yes. But it felt like the sequencing of the play calling just felt a little bit more up to standard of what we were looking for. Would you agree with that? Yeah. It was an upgrade. And now, as we enter into this next season, again, personnel is getting better along with it. But you don't have a fear that there's going to be a game in which we just look like a discombobulated mess Offensively, you don't think that there's that thing lurking around the corner because Coach Norvell, when it comes to game planning week in and week out, has been very impressive. I, I think, feel that way. I also just think that
1: if when you when, listen, do I think Jimbo Fisher knows football? Absolutely. I know he does. I talked with him probably more than anybody at length, uh, at least in the media. Uh, he's a freak. I mean, I've never questioned his acumen for the game. But what it does show you is when we talk about the health of a program, when we talk about the ability to get the most out of that acumen, the most out of that knowledge. Isn't, it's not just that you understand the X's and O's. Because I think all these guys do. I've said that a lot over the years. And as I got older, I began to learn that more. That the most failed and flawed coaches don't fail because they don't know football. The opposite is true, typically. It's all the non-football stuff that doesn't allow that knowledge to be put to good use, or that was once put to good use, begin to fail. You have to have a way of imparting that wisdom, that knowledge, and creating not only a relationship, but an understanding and and a path towards players being able to execute it. Confidence. It creates confidence when your coach has that, not only knowledge, but the ability to impart it to you, but then teach it in a way in which you have an understanding without having to think. But that that really involves trust. And at the end of it all, you cannot develop trust simply with the knowledge. You have to be able to teach it and trust the person who is providing it. And I, I don't you know that, that there's you have to be healthy. You, you you have to be healthy in order to have that, to possess that. Like my I have to feel good about me to be there for you. And again, I don't want to get all New Agey or anything like that. That's just a simple truth, right? Yeah. You you have to be in a healthy place in your life and in, in your belief, in your knowledge, and then things that you provide. Speaking As mentally, yeah. Because yeah. Andy Reid
0: ain't exactly you know.
1: No, a, no, no, yeah, no, no, but... no. I'm not talking about the physical health because you're yeah. eating properly. Although right. that certainly all of it adds up to the big puzzle, right? The picture. Right? Imagine if Andy Reid ate well. <laughs> But, you know, no, no, but you have to be comfortable with who you are and then you have to be able that then you can provide something for somebody else because your ducks are in a row because you have your life in order. If you're, you know, a runaway addict or whatever, and you're not responsible to yourself and your family, you can't be responsible for anybody else. And I'm not saying Jimbo's an addict. My point is that there's a brokenness that still exists and it's not gotten better. And you hear it in those answers. It's bizarre. And it kind of makes me sad. I'm not gonna lose sleep over because he was really bad to some people around here too. But I, I just, when I watch that, it makes me grateful for the situation we're in now. That's what I'm getting at. It's again, it's not. That's just a way, of of, pointing out what's changed dramatically around here. He still has to win a bunch of games. Mike's got to go do great things, Correct. and I guarantee you, I don't care what kind of uh, role model and 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 what kind of work ethic and what kind of man that he is, if he goes 7-5 and next year with the expectation that we're going to be an 11-win team, well, that's not good.
0: We're going to have a problem. We'll criticize him for doing so. Yeah, there was a question. I don't know that it was answered on Smash. Maybe it was on Monday night. But about now that he has better personnel, do you think that influences his decision-making at some points of games when it comes to fourth down math? You know, obviously the kicker last year influenced a lot of those choices, and so they were by default that you would go for it. But that's been something that has been inconsistent. I think that's fair to say. Has been inconsistent over Coach Norvell's time here. Well, now that you're getting to a place where the margin is very thin in order to win a conference, make a playoff. Win a championship, and it's not, really thin, yeah. And you've got better players, so there's fewer excuses. Like Things like that are going to come to the forefront this fall. I have no doubt about key moments and key situations and calls. We're going to get beyond the point of our yards per play is healthy and we're scoring a lot of points. We're going to get down to situations. And can he handle the heat of the moment in those games? Because there's two of them in the first four. Well, and it's interesting because as much as I have pointed out
1: about the good that we're seeing and the, the flip in culture, that's 100% real. We see that every day. And it's exhilarating because it felt like the weight of the world going over there when we were at the end of, of Jimbo's era. That was tough, man. Everything was broken. His relationship with his bosses, his relationships with his coaches and the fans, the relationships with the players. And, and that, in turn, you felt the weight in the athletic department. It was tough, man. I hated it. I hated it. We'd go over there, and you're just like, oh, it saps all the energy. Everybody's looking over their shoulder because everybody's angry, and, and, and they don't know who to trust. They're not on the same page. You could feel it. You, and, and the thing was, you knew I'm, I'm allowed to leave. I don't have to be here after this practice is over. I don't have to be here after this press conference. I get to leave this place. Now imagine these guys work 16-hour days, 18-hour days. You're in there, and you feel that all the time. It's, I mean, it's downright bad for your health. So that has changed immensely. But it doesn't change that he's got to keep winning and that the expectations are way up here and the bar is high at Florida State. This is not some. This is in Memphis, and he knows that. The way to the way to handle that is to do what he's done, which is embrace it. Don't shy away from it. He'll tell you the Miami game is more important than the NC State game. He'll tell you that the Florida game is more important than the whatever game you want to name in North Carolina, whatever. But I mean, because it is, it is. They all add up to one win or one loss, but one means a little bit more and holds a little bit more weight than the other. So recognizing things for what they are is very important, going from there. Uh, They got all that down. Now, this is, and we've talked about it a lot, and it's fun. This year is the first year where he has very high expectations put upon him by this fan base. Now, he's not a victim of his own success. We know that, right? I preach that a lot. Won 10 games last year. That leads to us wanting to win more. That's how that works. Right. You win 10, you need to win 11. You win 11, let's win them all.
0: Yeah, if you suck for two quarters on offense against LSU and it costs you the football game, I don't want to hear about the culture flip. Nobody's going to want
1: to hear about the culture flip. Nobody will, and that's understandable.
0: Yep. We'll be talking about the football. Now, last year, I still wouldn't like to hear it, but it would be reasonable to say, look, what? I mean, in one year, what are they doing? They're going to win 10 games. No more. No more. If you're going to have a parade for that, you already had it to get to 10 wins. Now it's about, especially with this roster, if they had lost 15 starters out of their 22 on either side of the football, all right, then maybe there would be more of a, a nuance and a reasonable discussion about what is expected this year. But because so many of those guys return from a 10-win season and because the schedule is quite doable and the ACC is what it is without uh, divisions any longer, I mean, this is this is a playoff or ACC championship or bust type of year. You pick which one, but you got to pick one of the two at minimum, ACC championship game or bust or playoff or bust. Oh, you got to get to the ACC championship. Sure. Because I, I, you get I'm it, a playoff you, guy, but be, it implies the ACC championship. But you get a do-over. I mean, right. you, you could yeah. lose
1: on the road to Clemson. In fact, you'll be an underdog on the road to Clemson in all likelihood. As we sit here today, that, that seems likely. You'll be an underdog. It doesn't mean that you'll lose the game. Just think likely you'll be an underdog. Here's a
0: fascinating question. What if you go 12-0? and 0, all right, let's just say you do that, which means you beat LSU and Clemson by definition. Are you safe heading into the ACC championship game because of what you've done? So like last year with the Big 12? At the SEC every year. I wonder if you would have afforded yourself the opportunity I to don't slip think up so. on championship I,
1: game weekend. I don't feel like it. Maybe because of the win over LSU, but the right. rest of the schedule's not good. I don't
0: know, man. I mean, you would need Florida to be good. You would need Miami to be good. Because I guess the reason I said it is because you're saying you have a do-over. Do you actually though if you don't slip up either of the first yeah, two big games you play? Because you, if you lose the first Clemson game and you win the second one, you're going to the playoff as assuming LSU is a victory because that's twelve and one ACC championship. You're you're going to the playoff. But what if you're twelve and one with a loss in Charlotte to Clemson? What does that do? Do you get that SEC SEC oh, treatment or Ohio man. State treatment? The
1: scenarios, huh? the scenarios that we can play out, it does get very, very fascinating to me. Um, I I think it's, I was asked, would I take a 12-0 season for a shellacking in the playoffs? We were just asked that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Because I don't think, listen, I don't
0: think. Would that be 13-0, 12-1? Well, you you would be 13-0 because of the
1: ACC championship. So I think this is implied. Would you take an undefeated season? and then you get beat in the playoffs. And in this case, you don't just get beat. You get your ass beat. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, it's a step forward. At that point, you've regained control of your league. You've wrestled it away from Clemson, who's owned it for too long now. And you now that is that is also a building block. That's a step forward. You are now at the top of this league, and eh, I got it. It's not the SEC. It's not the Big Ten. But you still need to own the league you're in for while you're in it, so you would be taking that step forward and, and, at that point, what that would do for recruiting, even a loss in the postseason, if you make the college football playoff, it's an
0: upgrade. You're if, doing things. If I could promise that to you right now, that that's exactly what's going to happen, is that at minimum you're going to win the ACC, go to the uh, the playoff and get blown out, and 12 and one is the minimum. Might be 13 and 0, or you can just let it ride. What would you do? Would you take the automatic? absolutely ACC champion, college football playoff participant, and blown out and embarrassed in the semifinals, the semis? Or would you say, roll the dice, man. I, I like what we got. I like what we got. Come what
1: may. Let's answer it in a moment. Jeff Cabernet, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The sparks, down the they come back Jeff Cabernet, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Like Tom, you asked a question before we went to break. And we should attempt to answer it here um, very quickly. What was the uh, question that you posited uh, right before we went to break there? All right. I'm the devil.
0: I've come up from hell to cut you a deal or an offer. What's the deal? Here you go. You're guaranteed a playoff berth at ACC Championship. Start this season, right? Right here, right now. Just sign here. Yeah, got to take it, right? You got to take it. Or you could say you go back to hell, devil. And I'm gonna roll the dice because I think we've got a team that could do a little bit more than what you're gonna guarantee me. Well, the only thing more is to win the championship or get to the—I mean, not get blown out. I mean, you're already getting to the get college to the football championship playoff game.
1: You didn't say that. You didn't say that the result—the playoff result—is a blowout. Okay, so that's okay, embarrassing. Okay, yeah. You are being so you embarrassed. get – yeah, like TCU just getting beat the hell down. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, gonna happen, guaranteed. But you do win the ACC and you do make it to the playoff. This is your fate. You're locked in. Or let it ride. That's a tough call.
1: Because unequivocally, Florida State going to the college football playoff is a step forward in the growth of this program, the maturation of Mike Norvell as a coach, and what's possible moving forward. Guaranteed. It changes recruiting forever. Well, nothing's forever, but it changes recruiting for the foreseeable future. It changes the investment, whether it's the fans or the boosters or the battles in or all of it, because there's more money for everybody. 65-7, to I don't think TCU has been set back. TCU had no business being in the national championship game. Nobody would have predicted TCU was going to the national championship game. Nobody would have expected that they were headed to the college football playoff.
0: I think they were preseason sixth in their own
1: conference in sub-500.
0: You could say that a blowout sets you back, but is it a net gain or a net loss for that whole season for TCU? It's a net gain. It's a
1: huge net gain. It's a a game changer for TCU. Nobody thought of them as a team that would ever play for a national title. Nobody. Or, Or highly unlikely. I mean, it's just, no, it's a huge gain. Now, it's not as big a gain for Florida State, Holder of three national championships and yep. multiple appearances, or more than multiple, uh, obviously a ton of appearances in both the playoff and uh, well, playoffs not been around very long, but you know what I mean in the BCS title games.
0: Um, is the answer that Daryl Jackson has single handedly put you in a position to say let it ride? Do you think that much of
1: him? I mean, I like Daryl Jackson a lot. I think they're going to be good. I I don't know. I. I don't know how to answer that. That's tough. When you're immersed in a 65 to 7 beatdown the way TCU was, it doesn't mm. feel good. Nothing feels good. You nope. kind of like to not be in that moment having to wear that ass kicking. But man, if I told TCU, now we're not TCU, but if I told TCU yep. before the year you're going to make the national championship game, and you may lose by 100. But we they don't get that far. Though. take it.
0: We don't get that far. It's, a, it's, it's in the semis, man. Get, I see you. We rolled get, rolled, your way into the we get rolled out the alley. We're, we are rolled out the alley. Could be Michigan. Could be USC. I don't care. It would be very we, hard hey, to lose 65 to 7 to USC. But. Or to Michigan.
1: USC has a high powered offense. Seven points? Well, I up? agree, but they could score 65. Did I don't 10 think 10 guys die on the first Michigan's play? not scoring 65 against air. So both are extreme examples. Is yeah, there a poison it, power yeah. aid? And like we're just dead? I, all I know is. I, again, I'm removing my ego, the Florida State ego that we have. I know this is a program of championships. Oh, my God, you're going to take the deal. I think so. Oh. I think I'm going to take the deal.
0: It's with reluctance. I take your signature on this page.
1: We go, we go undefeated, we win the ACC, and we're in the playoff. I mean, I that's okay. Lopsided well, games happen, man. Hell, we were we were just having to talk about the the thirty-one to nothing ass kicking. We we're on the wrong end of number one versus number two against Miami. I mean, it happens sometimes. Hour number two forthcoming.